Hello, this is Janet from JanetSandberg.com, and you're listening to the Phoenix Wisdom Podcast, the weekly show that talks to peers and professionals who open up about their darkest moments when they felt like ending it all, why they didn't, and how they transformed their lives in order to triumph over the darkness and despair. Please remember to subscribe if you'd like to hear more inspiring stories. Hello and welcome to the Phoenix Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Janet Sandberg, and today we are joined by Elaine Lindsay, who has a story, a big story for us to tell, and I'm very excited to, maybe excited isn't the right word, but I am very interested in hearing the whole story with all the details. So Elaine, can you just start by introducing yourself a little bit? Sure. Uh, I'm Elaine Lindsay. I am, uh, I am someone who wears a lot of hats. So part of my day, I'm a digital integration specialist with True Social. And part of my day, I do a podcast as well called Suicides and Forgiveness. I also run a business show that I've been doing since 2012 online, and uh, that keeps me fairly busy. But uh, I guess the podcast and suicide, thanks to the pandemic, is even more important a subject at the moment Mm -hmm. than it ever had been, which is why I'm finally telling my whole story. Good. Thank you. Yeah. We, we need these conversations more than ever. And I know there's probably other, other podcasts out there doing the same thing, but the more we have of them, um, the more we reach people and, um, we can help, help people feel less alone and give them a little bit of hope and hopefully change, change some lives in whatever ways we can. Absolutely. So I know you uh, have been on both sides of of the suicide story. That's so good. why don't we start? I don't know. Start with whichever side the story starts with. Well, I think I think it kind of starts with being one of those left behind mm-hmm. when um, when I was sixteen. I had actually just come back to town I had hitchhiked across Canada um yeah I was a bit of a wild child I took my friends two brothers with me so I'd be safe I was gone for a number of weeks and came home at which time my girlfriend Andrea gave me a really serious talking to she was so angry that that I had ruined our plans and I got back around Christmas time and uh, there were a group of five of us that chumped around together and we were super excited because in February Andrea would be 16 I wasn't yet able to drive but she'd be the first one that would have a car we were we had lots and lots of plans of course 
before that, our first plan was to go on December 30th. We were going to an Alice Cooper concert. And unfortunately, it got canceled due to a, a horrible blizzard that came in and like from Toronto to here, the bands got stuck and they moved it to the 1st of January, which probably in this day and age isn't a big deal. No, but that's two days. Then, yeah. Well, it's not the two days. It's January 1st. That's a family day where you oh, have dinner with right. a family and okay. you don't leave. And, and that's just the way it is. Uh, sorry about that. I'm going to shut my door and see if we can see if we can just keep the noise down to a minimum. Anyway, uh, I babysat December 31st for some people down the street from our home. And at 1130, I went to call Andrea because she was babysitting her aunt and her uncle. Uh, they were like 83 and 85, respectively. And just as the phone clicked, back then, rotary dial, I had dialed all the numbers. And just as it was about to click, I realized that we would both be in trouble if I woke up her aunt and uncle or caused <laughs> So I slammed down the phone. And that has haunted me to this day because the next day on my way to the concert, I was with uh, some friends that weren't from our group. They were where I lived and I lived far away from our group. There weren't cell phones. There, we didn't have any mm -hmm. of that uh, back then. This was 1972. January 1st, 1972. And when I got to the venue, I will admit, I told you I was a wild child. I picked up some non-prescription items from some of the other friends we had. And I couldn't find Andrea or Marnie or Colleen anywhere. And so I kept going around the arena and it was still pretty early. And uh, about half an hour in, another guy that we knew, Johnny, came running down the main floor. And it's the picture's stuck in my mind all mm -hmm. these years later. He had this weird look on his face. And as he came up to me, he said, oh, tell me it's not true. Tell me it's not true. So what are you talking about? And he said, Andrea's dead. And I... I he said she took her life and I reached out and hit him and I I just it was a knee-jerk reaction it's like that is not funny what is wrong with you and just as I let go of him I looked up and behind him about 25 feet were Marnie and Colleen and no Andrea and I could tell right at that minute the look on Marnie's face that this nightmare was real. And when they got to me, her first question was, what are you on? Because they knew that this was not going to be an easy night for any mm -hmm. of us. And I had just made it much worse. Why I mentioned that it was Alice Cooper 
It's because that was Alice Cooper's killer tour. And after, I can't even tell you who the first band was anymore. I don't remember. Yeah. I do remember Alice Cooper, though. They finally got me to sit down, and it was just maybe the last two songs of the set. And I was pretty much out of my mind. However, Alice Cooper got on stage and hung himself, excuse me, hanged himself is the proper term. That's what Andrea had done. Oh my gosh. I don't remember much after that. I remember careening down a hallway and being at somebody's house that I didn't know really well. Uh, some of our, our friends that we had in common that lived closer to me took me to a party that was on the base closer to my home to try and get me straightened up so that I could go home. And although it's not a big deal today, back then, my girlfriend Andrea was Jewish, which meant a couple of things. It meant the burial was the very next day. It meant that I had to go home and tell my very Catholic parents that my friend had committed the worst sin in Christianity. And I was so hell-bent on protecting her, I didn't know how to approach them. I didn't, I had no idea how those words could possibly come out of my mouth. How do you tell your parents that? Like how, how do you, to this day, I still, I, I, I don't know what I said. I don't know how I said it. I don't even know what time I got home. But I know that my father offered to drive me because we had to be at the synagogue by noon. And when I got there, I don't remember any of the service. I don't remember anything except being at the cemetery and the rabbi talking and grave diggers coming across the snow. One was smoking and the other one was telling him a joke or something and it was so loud and weird. And the rabbi stopped talking and in unison, Pauline and Marnie and I who were all Catholic, made the sign of the cross. And it was like we'd done something terrible. Back in those days, we were still so, you know, apart in religion. We were left standing at that grave feeling like somehow we were in the wrong. And my girlfriend's parents, who were wonderful, Andrea's parents were fabulous. And a, a lot of her aunts, not the older, older aunts, because they didn't understand. But her aunts made sure that we could sit shiva with them for seven days, which is the Jewish custom, mm -hmm. and explain to us some of, of what they believed and how things were in the Jewish religion, which I think was really useful. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. 
I was the kind of kid that had some suicidal ideation since I was younger. But I did volunteer work at a mental institution all through high school. And I saw a young man that took the same bus I did get put into that institution because he was a runaway and they didn't know where else to put him. And somehow in my mind, that meant I couldn't tell people some of the weird thoughts I had or that I didn't want to be here because they locked me up. Mm, wow. That's heavy. It was. And it became a, just a, a litany of trying to escape. You know, alcohol, drugs. My poor parents didn't know what to do. They didn't understand or know about most drugs back then. All they knew was I was totally unreachable. And what made it worse was that first week in January, I went back to a new school. And it seems I was in the school for two weeks. I knew a lot of people at the school. It was close to where I lived. But some kid in the English class two weeks in made a comment about the dumb girl at this other school who killed herself over a boy. And the next thing you know, the teacher is trying to get me off this guy. I'm banging his head on the desk and screaming. And nobody in that class even knew why I attacked him because they didn't put it together with what he had said. Because mm. see, back then, we didn't talk about anything like that. Yeah. You couldn't say, oh, my God, my friend hanged herself. It just was not the done thing. Mm -hmm. A few months later, my parents took me home to Scotland to try and, yes, shake me out of whatever. Uh, all that meant was I had new friends in a new, well, an old country. I'm originally from Scotland, made a bunch of new friends and just partied harder because I didn't want to feel. Yeah. And the horrible part is, four very short years later, I was crushed between three cars on a highway in Ottawa in a dark curve at two o'clock in the morning, right in front of Andrea's grave. And at that point, I had on this giant wolf coat. I was married. I was seven months pregnant. The hood went up on my coat, but my head didn't smash like a melon. I broke both my legs in multiple, multiple places. The engine of my car took half my left leg vertically from below the knee up. And when I got to the hospital, they took my child. I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. I dislocated my shoulder. I had multiple internal injuries. And that began five years of hospitals and surgeries. Many, many attempts at leaving. Every time I got a little close, Andrea would be in my ear. And I never really understood 
what it was until 2013. Because see, I never told anybody any mm -hmm. told anybody what happened. Not for many, many years. But she would be in my ear and it would be, yeah, you lived through it. I spent nights sitting at that cemetery. I, for a long, long time, knew everything that was written on the stick. It was an orange stick in the ground because in the Jewish tradition, they don't put a headstone for a year. Mm -hmm. And all of those things and all of the times that I swallowed a pile of pills, cut myself. She would be in my head saying, really? You feel the way you do after I left you? You're going to do that to the people that love you? Hmm. Are you really? Did you learn nothing? And it was always, it was always weird because it was always like, when did you become such an old woman? Which sounds <laughs> crazy, I know, but. It culminated in a very serious attempt. So serious that I was rushed to hospital. My stomach was pumped. And I gave some weird story and thought I got away with it. I didn't. It was in the notes. A few years later, Life took a, an even weirder turn. I had remarried at this point. I had a daughter and a son. And I went for some surgery that should have put me out of commission for three weeks. The doctor was being investigated because he'd already killed two people. Oh. And he made a bit of an error. He tried to cover up. In fact, he wrote three different OR reports of that first surgery because he didn't want to lose his license. And he was hoping, I guess, that it would just go away or things would change or something. Sadly, it didn't. And I ended up having more surgery, which he either didn't do properly or we're not quite sure what happened because again there were three OR reports. I know all that because we ended up in court 12 years later because I fed through a tube in my side for 13 and a half months. Oh my I wore a colostomy bag on my neck because he slit my throat and diverted my esophagus out my neck. In some way, I think he thought that would allow the stomach to heal. But all through that, there were more attempts. Because when they come in and they poke you and they put you on chest machines and cut you open over and over and over again, it's like being a slab of meat. Mm -hmm. And you can only take so much pain before you kind of want it to end. Yeah. And yet, I know this sounds all doom and gloom and horrible. <laughs> yet, in 1997, we were accosted by a road rage man in a parking lot. 
it gets worse before it gets better. And he tried to run over myself and my children. I put myself in the way, uh, ended up on his hood. He tried to drive away with me, but it's a parking lot, so it was pretty slow. And there were people all around that made him stop. And the whole time I was on the hood of his car, it was this huge revelation. And I thought, oh my God, what's the common denominator here in all this drama? Like life has to be more than this. And it was, it was like that. It was this light bulb moment. And in my ear was Andrea. Finally, <laughs> I got it. Like wake the hell up. And I did. And I started reading every book I could get my hand on. I watched Oprah. I went to all kinds of seminars and learned about people I had no idea about. Found out about energy medicine. And it took me until 2004 to find this amazing spiritual advisor. After a couple of years, my son calls her the holistic missile because she cut right to the chase. And gave me a new lease on life. I don't walk with a cane anymore. I am still in pain. But I, I am what I now call a minimally functional junkie. <laughs> I only take enough pain meds, like morphine, for base pain. I use meditation and visualization and other tools to manage the rest. And life will never be what it once was, but that's okay. I'm partly bionic. <laughs> I have a titanium half joint on the leg that's missing part. I have a bionic arm. Sorry, I lost the... the um, upper bone, my humerus in my right arm. And that's been corrected. And I now know that Andrea has given me the best, worst gift you could ever be given in making me realize that it's important to stay alive and enjoy the hell out of every moment that you're here. And I have two beautiful children gorgeous grandchildren and as you heard dogs <laughs> <laughs> and I try to live each day as best I can because sometimes it takes us a really long time to get the lesson but I got it and I'm now 67 so I've been here a while you have. Wow. Elaine, that is such a powerful story. Thank you so much for sharing it. I don't even, I, <clears throat> sorry. I've, yeah, I'm, I'm just speechless. <laughs> there's a... Sorry. No, no, it's just, there's, there's nothing I can add. Um, that's going, that's going, nothing I can say that's going to, to add to, to your story. Just, just wow is, is all I can say. You are, 
grateful. amazing. Yes. Well, thank and you. I'm grateful. I am very, very grateful. Yeah. There's just, there's just so many, so many lessons in all of that. And I love that, um, you know, Andrea kept talking in your ear over the years. Um, and, and I, I'm also a medium sometimes. So, um, you know, I, I'm like, yeah, I, I get that. And, and it, it sounds, it sounds unreal, but, um, but it's not, it, it was her, you know, and, uh, yeah, there's just, like I said, I'm, I'm speechless and it was such, such a powerful story. You are a gifted storyteller. I'm sure you've told that story several times as well, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing what, what happens. It's amazing how much things change and, and that part of it too, like this happened (laughs) the year I was born. Um, so, and, you know, I remember things being different back then. Um, and, and even still the reason we're, we're telling these stories and having this podcast is because people still don't like to talk about these things. Exactly. And, and my mission is to end the silence, the stigma and the shame because you know, well, for one, I have a very bent sense of humor. So I, I tell think people, I think all of us who have been through this do. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I I believe some people say the universe will hit them with bricks to get it through a lesson that they may not get the first or second time. Well, in my case, it's vehicles. <laughs> Just took a little <laughs> longer. Kept getting hit by vehicles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah literally. Literally. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's, I hope you've told the universe that you've had enough of that now and it can stop. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm done with the negative drama for sure. <laughs> but it's the most important thing that I want people to know is it's never too late. Just talk to someone. I don't care if it's somebody on the street, if it's the clerk at the gas station, if, if you don't feel you have someone, the next person you see in a retail outlet or on the street, talk to them. Don't hold it in. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do you or anyone else any good. Yeah. That's, it's one of the, the more of these interviews that I do and the more people I talk to, you know, there, there, there are themes that are arising um, and that is definitely one of them is, is the talk, talking, getting it off your, out of yourself um, and, and out in the open. And yeah, that's, that's why we're talking about it so that Absolutely. other people feel free, freer, better um, yeah. Yeah. to talk about it as well. Because, and, and I think this speaks to this point as well. Just the other night, I heard someone quite famous or famous adjacent 
say that as a young person, he assumed he was the only person in the world who felt as he did, who acted as he did, who was like him because people didn't talk. Mm -hmm. And that to me is so heartbreakingly sad. We, we have to start from elementary school to allow children to understand, one, our thoughts aren't real all the time, two, they're definitely not true, and three, you don't have to act on them. You can talk to somebody. Yes. Don't keep it to yourself. Yeah, that that is. And um, one of the other interviews I was doing earlier, um, you know, she said that she started having suicidal ideation in grade six. Yeah. But I mean, it went, it, it had started, the depression, anxiety had started before that in grade three. Like we think that, oh, it can't happen to our kids so young, um, but it, it does. And I know I, I was in high school the first time I noticed that I wasn't feeling the way that I thought I should. I was having dark thoughts um, and you know, looking back now, you know, my kids are, are in their twenties and I'm thinking, gosh, yeah. like high school, that's, they're still pretty young in high school, but obviously oh, young, yeah. but old enough to, to, to take action. If... And, and the fact that we don't talk about it, mm -hmm. we don't know that they didn't start really young. Right. And the other thing is the numbers that we have for suicide don't really include children under 13 because it's not talked about. Yeah. Not even when it happens. Very, very few times will you know what actually happened. So there aren't the stats. And as a medium, I'm sure you understand what it is I'm saying. And I think it's, it's really critical that we make this part of the day-to-day -day conversation so that mental health, suicide, and ideation, and all of those things are just part of the conversation. They're not hidden. Mm -hmm. The minute you hide it, you're making it way bigger than it is, and it'll take on a life of its own. Yes. Yeah. And, and even for myself, starting this podcast and, and having been through dark times myself, I never attempted, I never really had a plan. Um, there were just, you know, times when I didn't know how I was going to make it to another day. Um, but I didn't know anybody else who had ever felt that way. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty open about things. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And I, I had never come across anybody and now I've started this podcast and all these people are coming out of the woodwork. I mean, I've known you in passing Yeah, for, we've been acquaintances for a couple of years. Yeah. I didn't know any of this and you're very open. You have your own podcast talking about it, but we still didn't know. So we just, we need to keep talking about it. Because that, that just proves, yeah, that just proves the point that we we still haven't taken it out of the secret bin. 
Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it is still not talked about. Yeah. Which is just, uh, to me, absolutely heartbreaking. And it's, it's something I think we all have to work towards because the pandemic did not help. No. Okay. It, it has, it has really caused so many additional issues uh, for so many people. And, and that, that was really in 20, the end of 2020, I had started the podcast in 2018 when Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain died. Yes. But I wasn't really ready at that point to offer up this that piece of my story. I've told the story of some of the surgeries and the accidents and, and that, but I, I hadn't really talked about what was actually the most important piece. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't matter how long it takes you can help somebody by listening if you can help someone by being the person that they go to to share their story their ideation or or their attempt and for god's sake just take a few moments and listen yes thank you elaine so much for sharing your story for doing what you are doing with with your podcast and everything that you do and yeah for being here today and and giving giving people hope well thank you janet i so appreciate thank you very much for having me and um thank you so much sorry about the dog (laughs) it's all right i I have learned today that new dog does not like to be left (laughs) always learning yeah no no but I do I do thank you very very much it's a wonderful thing that you do thank you and uh, I certainly appreciate it thank you for listening remember that you are loved you are worthy you are valuable, you are meant for more, and that it really does get better. If you are in crisis, there are numbers that you can call or text to get the help that you need. That information for Canada and the U.S. is in the description below each episode. If you are in immediate crisis, please call 911. We love you, and I hope you'll listen again.